Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome to the Two Guys in a Mic Show. Beautiful Friday here in the fine city of Chicago. March Madness Fever kicking into high gear. The Big Ten Tournament, the Big East Tournament, all the big quote-unquote tournaments going on right now through this weekend. Selection Sunday coming up in about, uh, what do we got, about 52 and a half hours, something like that. I think my math is wrong, but the point is Selection Sunday. We'll know the brackets this week. We got pitchers and catchers reporting. A little spring training baseball to talk about. NBA basketball. Illinois' coach has been fired. We'll jump off the uh, sports page and talk a little sports guys. Talk politics, St. Patrick's Day, and more. All that with the big dog and the coach on the two guys at a mic show. A little bit of music, and then we'll kick this sucker off. Goodness, the headline of the Chicago Tribune, oh, a little bit of humor, but it mostly hurts. Dunn and Dunner, speaking of our Northwestern Illinois teams, taking off on the movie theme of Dumb and Dumber. Dunn and Dunner. Ouch. Ouch. I cannot remember as I welcome in my good partner, the big dog, Joel Radwanski, a beautiful non-football Friday March Madness ticket in the high gear. I can't remember, big dog, too many times watching a sports team. I, you know, I try to keep things in perspective as much as I love sports. Where I felt physical pain, you know, the Cubs and the whole losing that big lead, the quote unquote Bartman game might be one of them. Watching Northwestern go down at the end of regulation and overtime yesterday, literally physically painful for me. As again, the headline done and done pretty much says it all. How are you, big dog? Uh, I'm, I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm obviously doing a, a lot better than any Northwestern fan is doing right now. How many times have you felt physical pain watching a particular team play? No, no, no. You're, I, I completely feel with what you're talking about. And, and I'm not kidding you. I, I remember the, the Bartman game without I can't even explain the <laughs> physical pain that I was going through then yeah. because of my whole father situation. Yep. The whole, uh, when I, I, I thought I had killed the dog upstairs oh, that boy. lived above me. I trust me, that, that was the most physically revolting I had ever felt during a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do remember January 2nd, 1984, Illinois, if they win that game, they're the football national champions in America, and they got their butts handed to them by UCLA. I like legitimately, coach. I think about that day is still like etched in my memory. January second, nineteen eighty four. Oh my god! What was oh, the boy. one where, uh, um, not the Illinois North Carolina championship game, but oh, yeah, the that, final? No, no, that, that game. I was that was the last one I was going to bring up. The most ripped my heart has ever been ripped out of this out of its chest was that day. But see, I don't remember as much as I was rooting for the Illini. I don't remember it physical pain. It was kind of a, I don't well, know. You some... don't. You're not an Illinois fan. Well, I'm you're Illinois probably fan. right. You're probably right, but there were bad calls in James Augustine. The game wasn't that close. Yeah. We just kind of went into vanilla land, if I can remember correctly. But my yeah, Illinois, yeah, my Illinois physical pain, big dog, the one, and it's rarely, honestly, that I that I actually feel physical pain from a game that intense. Very, very rare. But do you remember the game when it was at uh, Michigan, 
at the last second, final four, right to get to the championship. This was the flying Illini team. And Michigan missed the shot on the weak side rebound. Illinois stood around doing nothing. And was it Sean Higgins? It was Sean Higgins. Who put the weak side rebound in and put that at that point. Physical pain is an Illinois fan. That was the one shot that Glenn Rice had missed all day. Yes. And Ramiel Robinson, Lloyd Vaught, Sean Higgins, Glenn Rice, that team will always be loathed by Joel Redwanski. Who was the well, Illinois no. player, in the, and you could see it right on replay, who just looked up and did not box out? Was it, it Marcus? Was it was Lowell Hamilton. Marcus Liberty was never on the court with two, three minutes to go in the game. He was not reliable enough. He played when Illinois was up by 10 in the middle of the first quarter. So it was the pride and joy of St. Providence Mel High School in Chicago, Mr. Lowell Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, it was, Coach. And this is no joke. What made that game hurt so freaking bad was the fact that Illinois had played Michigan twice that year, and they beat them by 28-plus both times they played them. And they beat them at Michigan the last game of the year by 28 points, and it was like they were up 40 at halftime. So all of a sudden, we're playing in Michigan in the Final Four, and I remember it's hard to beat people three times. I'm like, beat them. We absolutely annihilated this team. And then Glenn Rice couldn't miss a shot. Little did I know that Sarah Palin was energizing them, but that's another story altogether. <laughs> the ultimate sideline, right? Oh, my goodness, Coach, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, you know, I can't believe you said that, but I, that's funny that you said that. I do think that might be the biggest. Yeah. Because, oh, like, was... The North Carolina game was – Actually, the worst, because I, I was just so disgusted. I couldn't believe what was happening. It was like, oh, well, another foul in Illinois. What? I mean, it was just like I, I could not. I hate to be the guy that points the fingers at the refs because I don't do that. Okay? But if there was any game ever that a referee's cost somebody a game, it was yep. that game in 05. Yep. Completely agree with you. And it's a great uh, – we used to do on our radio show. We haven't really carried it over into our Internet show here, but we used to do a thing called the Daily Quandary. And it would be a great daily quandary for today if anybody wants to quander in and give us a call at 888-463-6748. Look back into your sports spectating moments. Maybe it's with a kid. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe it's one of your favorite teams. Hopefully, it doesn't happen too often. Because, I mean, let's be honest. We're talking games here. We're talking sports. We get emotional. But it really shouldn't cause physical pain. But there's probably a few that you can go back into. Me and Big Dog have just picked out a couple that maybe were that painful you actually felt physical pain. You want to relay that moment in time? Give us a call, Daily Quandary, 888-463-6748. But how about that headline, Big Dog? Done and Dunner. That hurts, huh? Yeah, that's and, – and you know what's sad to say, but, it, I mean, it's I, it's true, Coach, yep. because – and it's the way they lost. It, okay, obviously the overtime, they could have played a lot better in the overtime, but that ends up being like a seven-point separation after the overtime. But in the regulation, how many layups and free throws in an overtime game did they miss in the last three minutes of the game? Uh. I mean, legitimately, I like layups that I could make, and they were missing them. I'm not talking about, like, contested stuff and traffic, and there was a couple of those. Like, how many times did the ball go off the rim as they kept fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting, and it doesn't go in? I mean, John Scherner shoots a layup and it's short. Are you kidding me? Layup, the best shooter in the Big Ten misses a layup with a minute 30 to go. Let me throw this out to you. Oh. Which layup that was never taken was the one that was most costly? Uh, that's, that was somebody asked you or something there like you that. Go. I don't know. Yeah. Big Dog knows the game, but a lot of people didn't realize that. And we're talking about at the end of the game, Minnesota, at the end of regulation, Minnesota playing for the final shot to win it. Tie game, Northwestern gets a stop. And they get a breakout. 
with three seconds left. Now, you don't have time to look up at the clock in, in defense of David Sobolewski, but bottom line is Reggie Hearn pushes the ball, or Jershon Cobb right side, feeds Sobolewski, and instead of taking one more dribble and laying it up at the buzzer, he had time to do it, barely. But he had time. He throws up a rushed 10-foot runner that could have won the game, and it didn't, and that play right there, Big Dog, symbolic of the Northwestern season. I, I know, think he I, had time to take that one more dribble. You know, in the, you're probably right, and I considered that when it happened, and I'm like, you know what, I'm mad at the kid because that's I can't even imagine you're just playing D. All of a sudden you get a steal, yep. you get a breakaway, yep. and you're probably not thinking. You know, when you see like eight seconds to go in the game and all of a sudden it's six seconds later mm-hmm. and you haven't looked at the clock yet, you don't think, oh, there's two seconds left. I can still dribble a couple times. And you're just like, I better get this thing up. I don't yeah. want to not get a shot off. But so. on the other hand, most basketball players realize, Big Doug, there's always more time than you think. That's, isn't it? Did you used to do that, like, drills where you used to yes. make people, like, uh, run, in, run in, in place with high knees for, like, 10 oh, seconds? No. And all of a sudden, 10 seconds is nothing. And all of a sudden, the kid's doing it for 10 seconds. They're like, wow, that was a long time. That's uh, Ventrilli, our, our my high school football coach, always okay. had us doing that. I thought you were going to so say 40, something different because I've done the drill where you put kids on the, the baseline and you count down. All right, four seconds. Ready? Go. Four, three, two. And, and, you know, they can, I won't say easily, but with a little bit of push, you can make a layup. You go coast to coast, and then you bring it down to 3.5 and almost three, and you make a point to the kids that, hey, you can literally take it from one end of the court to the other in three and a half seconds. So, you know, there's more time than you think. Yeah, that's that's a good, really good drill, coach, that you guys have. That was an, like obviously basketball, football, totally different. But like you know, you get like forty five seconds. Left. Oh, there's no time to do anything. Are you kidding me? That forty five seconds could be forever. You know, so uh, yeah, that's uh, Northwestern needed that, I guess. Oh my goodness, coach, that was uh, it was one of those games where it was kind of cool to have like a, a horse in the race during like the Big Ten tournament all yep. of a sudden, yep. and then all of a sudden just get it pulled away. Well, that's a good point. It's a good point. But, uh, you know, I feel most badly for, uh, you know, John Sherna, Dave Curletti, some of the seniors who came in four years ago and, you know, worked so hard. It would have been the culmination of their careers to, you know, and I'm sure they had it as a goal. You know, over the course of our four years, let's finally get this Northwestern team into the NCAA tournament and to – Go all four years and to not be able to accomplish that. As great a career as John Sherna had, Big Dog, that's always, always going to be a negative that will be tough for him to get over. Yeah, it, it, seriously, it will. It definitely will because I'm sure his goal was to get to the tournament at least one time while he was yes. at the University of Northwestern, Northwestern University, whatever. Now, Coach, how about this? Curletti, who's a 48% free throw shooter. Hits he both. gets fouled 58, you said? No, 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 I said he hit both. Yeah, and he hit him like he was Larry Bird. You know, it's, it's just, it just cracks me up. He walked up there, took his time, deep breath, stroked both those shots. Like, and then all these, everyone else was going up there, these 90% free throw shooters, and they're like squeezing the ball, and it's all of a sudden white. They're squeezing it so t- hard before they actually shot it. Mm-hmm. I was like, come on, guys, relax. Really? That, I mean, they're shooting layups, and they're bouncing 10 feet off of the, off of the, off of the backboard because they're so excited. Inside sources, it might be part of the theory of, might actually go against the theory of women weak in legs. Because my inside sources tell me a Davide Curletti 
six foot eight center of the Northwestern team, dating the two guard for the Northwestern women's team and Allison Maki. Is that for real, Coach? Possibly. Okay. At least it was for real. I I can't confirm if that's going on, but uh, if if when I go tall, I go all the way. I don't I don't go to a two guard. If I want to go somebody six foot, I'm <laughs> I'm going all the way to six six. Really? Like what the heck? So in yeah, dating, you'd rather in in uh, for dating a women's basketball player, you'd rather go go down to the low post, shall we say? Without question, I'm definitely going low post. Really? So yeah, I would prefer I... the two guard, possibly the swing forward. Whatever it takes for you, Coach. <laughs> do you think? Do you think Northwestern was? Uh, it's like they were playing. Oh, we've never been to the tournament. I mean, it's like they're on the line, and John Turner's sitting there thinking, "Wow, we've never been to the tournament. If I hit these, we can go." Oh yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to make seventy-five years worth of free throws. You yeah. had to make two free throws. That played a so factor. You don't kid yourself. The pressure at the end played a factor. I read one report where the newspaper writer, I think, said Northwestern looked like the last four minutes of regulation and overtime, like the selection committee was courtside watching them. Yeah, that's, uh, I completely agree. I completely agree. This is a team not used to playing with that much pressure, mm-hmm. and then they add every single ounce of pressure that they possibly could to themselves. Yep. Yep. I, I, I would, that's one of the key things, and as a diehard Chicago Cubs fan, when the Cubs are on the verge of going to the World Series this again could, like they were back in 03. This could be our year. Please remind me yeah, this year. This year, Coach. This year's year. And uh, they just remind themselves they, they only have to win the 2012 season. They don't have to win from 1909 to today. Yep. That does, all that stuff's in the past. It doesn't matter. And uh, those, I, I don't know if Carmody said that, acknowledged it. I, I don't think he did. I think that should have been part of it. The guys, you just have to play. For, if you're playing for the 2012 Northwestern Wildcats, mm-hmm. you're not playing for Evan Eschmeyer and all those other players that have come through here the last 70 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost the philosophy where teams, I don't know if this is a great analogy, but teams come back after winning a championship and coaches very rightfully will tell them, hey, our mindset is we are not defending a championship. We're going after another one. And if you're Northwestern at that point in the second half, don't, you know, play defense. you got an opportunity to make the NCAA tournament to make a statement. Go out there and in the attack mode. If you don't get it done, fine, but attack, go out and grab it. Don't defend it and wait for it. Yeah, start a new tradition, not end the bad one. Yes. You know what I mean? Think of it in a positive way. Yep. You're exactly right, Coach. Yep. That is uh that is something if I ever do get involved in any type of coaching, I want to mm-hmm. remind these kids of that. So. All right, well, there is a coaching job open, Big Dog. I don't know if you're on the short list. Probably not. But, uh, you know, new athletic director Michael Thomas, who basically is firing everybody at this point, will be looking for a new coach. He's thinking outside the box. Why not a Joe Redwanski with your football experience? I think you'd make a hell of a basketball coach. Um, yeah. yeah. But can you, can you, Oh, yeah, this is really good coaching. Now, by the way, so everybody, if they don't know, Bruce Weber – has yes. informed Andy Katz of ESPN that Illinois has fired him. Illinois has not made this announcement. Bruce Weber, through Andy Katz, has made this announcement, everyone. Yes. And I'm assuming this is true. Okay, I doubt Bruce Weber is calling up Andy Katz. Be like, they fired me when they didn't. Okay, all right. So uh, here's the one thing I, I would say. First of all, Bruce Weber is a good man, a good person. Yep. He, Illinois does need a new basketball coach. So I'm really not upset about the fire. And here's the only thing I'm worried about: is the guy who hired Travis Beckham to be the Illinois football coach is now going <laughs> to is now trying to look for an Illinois basketball coach. That's a good point. I mean, who's going to be hired for this guy is, with uh, the assistant coach at, at Grinnell in Iowa? Who are they going to get? 
I'm I'm really worried now. Okay, really worried, Coach. Well, you should be worried. Basically, everybody in Illinois should be worried because, like I said, Mike Thomas is firing everybody. I think he's just, I don't know, he fired just just for the heck of it. He fired the lacrosse coach. I think the the club volleyball coach got the axe. The hockey coach supposedly can't be found. He's missing. It's unbelievable since this guy's come in. The women's basketball coach, uh, what is her name, Gillette Law, she got fired, the football coach. I had a um, – and oh, first oh, of all – Women's basketball coach got fired. Even yes. though the last couple of years they've been the best they've been in, in decades. They've struggled. They had a – Okay. They had a good run at the end of this year, but uh, overall, you know, she had a five-year run. Very nice, very classy lady, but probably time for a change. Can we agree, though, Big Dog? And, again, our phone number here if you want to join the – March Madness discussion. We're drowning in our sorrows a little bit here in Chicago. Our two favorite teams knocked out of the tournament. Uh, 888-463-6748, 888-463-6748. Dog, you are in agreement, I'm assuming, that best for both Bruce Weber and the ball club that uh, they did need to make a change. Yeah, I, I as you know, it was kind of cool to hear Leonard Meyer say stuff like, we really love him, and he really cares about us, and we want to play well for him. Okay, that's nice to hear that stuff, Coach, like I'm saying. But how about they, that's so Jalen Rose, so Mushim Muhammad of, of Myers Leonard. He's saying the right things. Well, why don't you ever listen to your freaking coach then if you like him so much? Why do you look like you're uncoached on the, on the, on the court? Honestly, Coach, that is like one of Elena's biggest problems is that they have turned off. They don't listen to Bruce Weber. So... It's yeah. like, oh, you can say all the right things, but mm-hmm. what about the right things? Yeah, well, in Illinois' loss, it was basically the same things. It was silly passes. I mean, sophomoric passing, uh, you know, unforced-type turnovers, and then the they just completely I, – I didn't see the first half, but I caught, you know, the halftime show, you know, Myers-Leonard having a big game. Start of the second half, Myers-Leonard gets, you know, a couple of baskets, and then for the remaining 16 minutes of the game, Myers-Leonard never touched the ball. Yeah, yeah, and, and, it, and it was – half his teammates and have him not getting his butt down the other end of the court and getting into a position where they can just lob it to him. So, okay, we watched Dwight Howard versus the Bulls last night, and obviously Dwight Howard is one of the great big men in the history of the game, and Myers Leonard is a seven-foot-one dude with athleticism. He's yet, to, he's yet to turn into a basketball player. Okay, and what do we see? Time in and time again, Dwight Howard sprinting. To the offensive end and getting to the point before Joe Kimdola could get to. Mm-hmm. Oh, guess what? So now, now all he's underneath the hoop. Joe Kimdola gets behind Dwight Howard. Everybody else gets down the court, and it's a real easy lob in. And Dwight Howard, I know you don't like this, but guys like Shaquille O'Neal and Dwight Howard, you know, they're supposed to catch the ball near the hoop and then have a nice easy shot to put it in. That might—I know—that doesn't excite you as a basketball fan, coach. But that's what they're supposed to do, and that's exactly yeah. what Myers Leonard needs to do. How many, you know Mike Tisdale. Don't even tell me. You say the name Mike Tisdale around here, and that's what we call our <laughs> tissue paper. Okay. And, uh, who was the, uh, there was a guy before Tisdale, wasn't there? Who was uh, the seven-foot-four-inch chemist? Um, I'm trying to think of his name. Brian Hamilton. No, no, no. Um, you know who I'm talking about, though, right? I, he's the bird. He's the bird. Yeah, because Tisdale, yeah. Tisdale was an improvement from him. Yeah, that's Huh? That guy was a backup. That guy was a backup. Tisdale was the starting right. center at Illinois for like right. I can't think of his name. The guy got straight A's. He was he huge. Four, String B, but he was like seven feet two inches. Nick 
Was it Nick something? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it was Nick. It was Nick. I got to think it was Nick. Not Nick Smith. But, yeah, Nick Smith. It's Nick Smith. Is that it? He had the Hitler mustache, <laughs> and he was 7'4". He and, was 7'4", 116 pounds yes, with a Hitler mustache. Not a good look. No. And it's the only guy in the in the Big Ten basketball that they had a very hard time getting a date. Yep. Yeah, but he had a tremendous career in uh, chemistry, I believe. He was really smart. Yeah, he was extremely smart. Yes. So I'm sure he's enjoying that as we speak right now. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, me and uh, assistant producer Randy Myers had a semi-heated discussion before the show. He disagreeing with me. I've never understood, not just Illinois, but all the teams. Why are you firing a coach 12 hours, 18 hours, the next day after his last game? To me, that's insulting. Why, why not wait a week? But it's not going to hurt anybody. No, no, Coach, you have to help your program. So immediately right now, Illinois, everybody knows Illinois is looking for a basketball coach. Well, why does it help? What's the difference? What does it help if you fire uh, Bruce Weber in six days? It's it's more respectful. Oh, thanks, thanks you can, you can start your research for other coaches. He could have started a couple of weeks ago. It's just respectful of the guy to sit down and talk with him and ease into it, not – Immediately after the game, he's done. He's fired. Like you were planning to do it all. I think it's insulting. I don't. I could care less about insulting. Well, you're I could. firing the guy. You're. If he isn't already upset that he's getting fired, I'm. I'm well, say, hey, I'm going to break up with you, but you know, I, instead of breaking up with you while I'm cheating on you, I'll do it before. Oh, thank you. Okay. No, thank that's you. Not, that's, that's, instead that's, of you going out looking for a new guy, at least you got me beforehand. Okay? That's, no, not, that's, that's not a fair analogy. David Olson, a man who's been released from a few radio stations in the past. Yes, sir. Here's a fair analogy. You pull the Band-Aid off quickly rather than peel it off slowly. Uh, he, I mean, you, it's, it, 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 you know oh, what? You, you know what? He might he might right. he might have gotten a reprieve. Say they did went farther in the turn went farther in the tournament. Maybe made the big dance. Maybe they'd get. Maybe they'd. Delay the firing, but either way, the guy was gone. I agree e- with either that. Either way, the guy was gone. So, so why no wait? Here's the point. Why Here's wait? the point. If you don't fire him today, well, you know what Bruce Weber starts doing? He starts preparing for next season. All of a sudden, you have your head basketball coach who you're going to fire in four days making phone calls. Hey, I'm going to come out and visit you, Johnny. You're one of the top players in Illinois. We want you to come here. Coach, come and think, think this through literally. You do not want your head coach who you're firing visiting people. No, you're you're okay. you're you're throwing matches on a fire that does not need to be lit. There's ways it go- I'm saying don't oh, it's, a, it's a, such a why do you have to be so nice all the time, coach? What's wrong with the being nice? Getting fired. If you've decided to fire a guy, why wait? Well, that, I, is, is that what you're going to do to me? Oh, one day yes. I'm going to fire Joel. I'm going to keep him around for a little bit and then and then when he's totally not expecting it, I'm going to fire no, him. No, no, that the, the totally not expecting part is not correct. But you asked me, and David Olson at the end of his diatribe said, why wait? Well, I'm so giving you the why up? wait so it's not so insulting, so you have a chance to talk to the guy, so the guy can talk to his players a little bit. And, again, four or five days a week, if you're worried about recruiting, you tell the guy, hey, Bruce, let's just hold off on the recruiting. You know, I want to talk to you. We're still, you know, letting it all sink in and evaluate. So why wait? Well, because we're all – Part of the human species here. We all have feelings. The answer to why wait is so it's not uh, so insulting to the guy, and you can at least. I don't. It's just as insulting. He got fired, coach. He got fired. Every time that I've been dumped, let go, whatever, it was insulting. Whether no matter how they did it, okay. 
And if they did something like, it isn't you, it's me, I'd be like, yeah, damn right, it's you. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, don't, that whole trying to save his feelings, come on. He's a man that was paid over $2 million a year to coach basketball, and you're worried about his feelings? Yes. I'm not losing any Come sleep on. over it. I'm just saying that would be a better way to do it. And, again, not just Illinois' case, to all the programs out there. You don't have to fire the guy 12 hours after the last game. I don't know. Just a thought. If he was going to get fired, I'm glad they did it then, honestly. Now, if they were wondering – should we fire him or should they not fire him? And all of a sudden they lose a game and then, hey, let's fire him right now. That would make me mad. That would make me mad. But if they were like, hey, we're going to fire Weber, I'm glad they did it exactly when they did it. Bruce Weber's comment, very similar to your um, dating life prior prior to meeting Lily the Lilac, of course. And Bruce Weber would say, uh, borrowing from the old country music song, I'm not here for a long time. I'm just here for a good time. Yeah, and and, and let's, I want another reason. They decide yes. to fire Bruce Weber. If they do it like on, um, you know, like April 15th, what ends up happening is the only thing going on in the world on April 15th is baseball at that point. And like basketball isn't even in the playoffs. They have the Bruce Weber expose about how he got fired and how bad of a coach he is for 10 minutes on Sports Center. Right now they're like, oh, Sports Center 58 minutes to Prime Minister Peyton Manning. Hey, if we fire Weber now, it'll be a side <laughs> note. ESPN starts Sports Center. Illinois has fired Bruce Weber. He went to the national title game in 05. He's a good person. Now to Peyton Manning. That's exactly how the that's exactly right. how Sports Center started today, Coach. They spent 10 seconds on Bruce Weber and it was done. And they right. went to, so it, all I got to say is maybe he was wrong in in your view of doing it. But Bruce Weber is probably like, thank goodness I'm not the number one story in the freaking world this morning. Mm-hmm. Even maybe he wanted to be because he called Andy Katz immediately. And told the SBA, they fired me, man. <laughs> All right, let's, let's, let's move on from that. At any rate, Illinois and Northwestern both down. you got quarterfinals of the Big Ten tournament coming up today. Big East tournament also heating up quarterfinals. Now, help me out, dog, because I was not able to stay awake for the final game. Give me a quick rundown. The Bowl of South Florida and the uh, Irish of Notre Dame. Who came out the winner there? Uh, I, I hate to tell you, people stopped by the house at that time. Notre Dame, I, this the last time I saw that game, it was 31-31. David Olson, end of the basketball. So both myself and Joel have no idea if Notre Dame won or not. We'll make sure we get that. But we do know uh, the Big East, great games yesterday, actually. Big Dog Syracuse over Connecticut in a phenomenal game, almost you know laden with NBA-type players or soon-to-be NBA-type players. But Syracuse wins that one. Louisville beat Marquette. The Cardinal were red hot. And in a great game, Cincinnati double overtime against Connecticut. David, who won ND? Uh, Notre Dame won 57-53. Wow. Well, good game. Good game right there. Is that football or basketball? 57-53. Yeah, it was, uh, when it was 31-31, Coach, there was nine minutes to go in the game. So they went on a, they started scoring some points is what, <laughs> at the end of the game is what happened because that was, there was no points being scored. Around in, in overtime. Overtime. In overtime. Wow. Woo! Wow, that was one serious low-scoring game then. Wow. <laughs> you don't see that very often, 110 points. And both of us overtime. fell asleep too soon, Big Dog. Let that be a lesson to all the young kids yeah. out there. Ouch, that must have been a great finish. All right, so you got uh, Louisville taking on Syracuse. I think Cincinnati versus Notre Dame. Pretty good Final Four. How about that Cincinnati-Georgetown? What was it, double OT? 
I did not see that game, Coach. Oh, man. I'm just, I saw I, I should have watched the Big East tournament yesterday. I was watching all the other games. Yeah. Big Ten games, not that exciting, right? Indiana pretty easy over Penn State. Uh, what was the, the final game? It was – who won the final game? That I've watched so much basketball, I can't keep my mind straight. But there was no great finishes in that game either. So the Big East tournament, definitely, if you're – Comparing the excitement level outside of our Northwestern game and a little bit of the Illinois game, the Big East tournament far superior yesterday, anyways. Normally, I'm good about keeping the separate coach, but I'm I'm watching like I'm not kidding you the the Mountain West, the Pacific Twelve, the uh, the Big Twelve. Everybody was having tournaments. The ACC was actually on ESPNU yesterday. I'm sure Johnny, I'm sure Dick Vitale was freaking out somewhere. You baby, what's the what are you? So I don't know. It's pretty tough. Going. <laughs> All right. Basketball going on. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. We got more than just basketball to talk about. Although we should mention uh, of the NBA variety, pretty good game right here in Chicago yesterday. You alluded to it, dog. Orlando Magic ninety nine, the beloved Bull ninety five. Dwight Howard all over the Bull inside, and Derrick Rose. I was the one who told you this when we start getting into the mode of Derrick Rose creating and shooting. That's when the Bulls go down, when they move the basketball. Now, I didn't see the game yesterday, but my, my feelers are telling me it was the the old Derrick Rose trying to create, you know, and he was, bottom line, he was 6 for 22 yesterday, and the Bulls lose. Yeah, well, you know what? A lot of Bulls stood around. So, watching the game, I was not mad at Derrick Rose for shooting too much. I was mad that that was a problem yesterday, is watching stagnant players on offense. And extend around, watch Derrick Rose do whatever. Mm-hmm. That was the issue yesterday. And the, the the major issue, the reason why they lost was because they didn't rebound on the defensive end. Orlando scored at least 25 points yesterday, it seemed like, off of offensive rebounds. A horrible three-point shot would be taken by like Ryan Anderson, and then it would just barely touch the rim, and then Glenn Baby Davis would lay it back in, or Dwight Howard would lay it in. It was... Oh. Hedo Turkaloo was having offensive rebounds. That doesn't ever happen. So he do Turkaloo back on the Orlando Magic the last couple of years. Remember, he got traded. Now he's back, averaging what about eleven points a game. He do Turkaloo. Well, he didn't get traded. He actually moved, or he signed as a free agent with Toronto. And if you remember, he says Toronto. The reason why he moved to Toronto was this. He said it's the most cosmopolitan. An international city in North America. Edo Turkoglu thought that Toronto was the nicest place to live in all of North America. <laughs> just, 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 I throw that out there, okay, Coach? Well, you know, we all make mistakes, but he's back, back where uh, he originally started his no, no, NBA coach, career. What Toronto is the world's largest mall, booby bars, and shopping for women. That's why you go there. A guy goes. With this woman, here, I'll meet you in 16 hours. You go shopping. And the woman's like, thank goodness. This is like Michigan Avenue, Broadway, and what do you, and uh, Rodeo Drive all rolled into one for a woman up in Toronto. And then the guy just goes to booby bars all day long. He just comes with Canadian singles, which are only like 87 cents. So for him, he's got like 13% more time to spend. Not bad. It That's- sounds like a pretty good vacation. A good time could be had by all. But somehow Hito Turkoglu finds us the most cosmopolitan place in North America. So you you do the math on that one, Coach. <laughs> I did. Okay, hear, I'm I've never been to Toronto, but I heard Toronto uh, from an aesthetic standpoint a fairly pretty city outside of the yeah, shopping I, malls. 
Yeah, I, I hear that. That's exactly what I hear. Everyone's like, just yeah. imagine the best place in the world to go shopping, and that's what Toronto All is. Right. I've been to Vancouver, Big Dog, as we get off into geography a little bit. Vancouver, absolutely gorgeous city. And I was uh, coaching, so I didn't get to see enough of it. I want to go back, but, uh, boy, now, just a beautiful what place. Did you- you were coaching. Was that Maccabi yes. games, by the way? Yes. Now, who were the chaperones there? Because there's certain cities that you got to watch your kids a little bit more than others. Mm-hmm. Vancouver would definitely be one of those cities, coach. <laughs> well, the kids stayed with the, the kids stayed with host families, so the chaperones were the parents of the hometown team that was competing in the event. Oh, that's not so bad. Well. Uh, I guarantee you one thing, those kids that went on that had a good time. Because there's no way that if somebody was staying with my yeah. family. Okay, so hey, you're from Chicago. Hey, let me show you what really goes on in Vancouver, I, all right? <laughs> I use the, as a coach, I use the Hogan's, uh, Schultz from Hogan's Heroes philosophy. I know nothing. Just be there at 1030 for game time. Yeah, I just show, okay, uh, everyone, I expect you to, Act responsibly. Yeah, we gave that speech. Time, blah, blah, blah. And most importantly, I just want to remind you guys that if one of your teammates does something stupid, as long as they're not going to be hurt or killed, don't let me find out about it. Thank you very much. Yep. Let's play some basketball. Yep. The bus, the bus leaves next Friday at uh, 10 o'clock. Make sure you're there. (laughs) (laughs) 888-463-6748. By the way, Middle East Jamal has emailed in. Kind of an odd question. But it's actually a curious one. Jamal wants to know if Omar is that like is that like North and South Carolina? Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe he doesn't want to divulge exactly where he's from because uh, you know most of our listeners and the two guys in a mic show don't to, ad, like to admit that they actually listen to us, big dog. This is true, especially in the Middle East, where apparently we're very popular. But I guess you can, if you admit to certain authorities you listen to the two guys in a mic show, you can get in trouble. I don't. Know that for a fact, but apparently that's true. Go figure. Maybe they get stoned and not in a good way, from no, what I understand. Come on, <laughs> come on, just for listening to us. Come on, you could be on a list I, somewhere, big dog. I, I, I was I was dragged to a movie once, and it was called The Stoning of Sanjay, and it was about the fact that this woman stood up to her husband, and everyone in the community. It was a true story took the stones out and threw rocks at them, even including the other women. And I, I, then I realized I was extremely lucky not to be a Muslim woman. Just I'd throw that out there. I'm very lucky not to be one. So I think, I think every day, thank you for not being a Muslim woman. I say it all the time. Well, I don't, I don't know if that's a fair statement either, because I don't think that's the philosophy of most Muslim men. That must have been, I mean, that's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Horrible. But that's not widespread in the Muslim religion, I would hope. Maybe not for ones that live in the okay. United States. Okay. Maybe Jamal, who's listening out somewhere like in the middle. Like, At any rate, Jamal wants like to know. Jamal, <laughs> Jamal wants to know if Omar Ashik played for your University of Illinois, Big Dog. How many points a game in the Big Ten would Omar Ashik average? At first, I thought it was a ridiculous question, but the more I think of it, it's kind of curious. Yeah, he'd get 15 points a game. He'd be Fif- the best defensive player in the Big Ten. Yes. 15 he's a phenomenal again. defensive player. Now, he's an NBA player. He gets legitimate minutes with a very good team. 
but he's not real skilled offensively. You put him in a college, Big Ten atmosphere, you'd think Omar could average 15 a game, huh? Absolutely, he would average 15 well, a game. I, I wouldn't say absolutely. I'd say maybe. Coach, he's pretty athletic. He, he, you know, he'd do all right. Interesting. All right. Not sure where that question came from, but thought we'd throw yeah, it out there. Uh, well, let me. I, he averages ten points or what? The eight points a game is in in the NBA. Why wouldn't he double that if he was doing double the minutes? And you sure about the eight points a game? I'm thinking more like three or four. If they gave him more minutes, you're right about that. If they gave him more minutes, he, well, you're probably right. At any rate, let's move on from uh, Jamal from the Middle East. Eight 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 four six three. 6748, the phone number, Big Dog, in addition to the March Madness. We do have spring training heating up a little bit. we got to throw some congratulations out to Robin MacArthur Ventura, the brand-new manager of the Chicago White Sox, wins his first spring training game. Sox win, Sox win, Sox win, 10-3, and Adam Dunn, a homer and a double. Your excitement level. Uh, I was more excited about the, the double because there was actually a sprint from right before first base all the way to second base. That was like 110 yards worth of sprinting for Adam Dunn, and I didn't think he had it in him. Honestly, Coach. Mm-hmm. He, apparently yeah. he did one year, in his younger years, one year he did steal 19 bases. So there was a moment in time when Adam Dunn could actually run. Yeah, uh, and it was called when he was at the University of Texas and their starting quarterback. You sure about that? I thought the 19 when, stolen bases was in the majors. Well, no, that, well, I'm not. Well, I'm just also, Oh, when I'm he could run. run. Okay, yes. Yeah. He was the backup quarterback for uh, Texas. Uh-huh. Interesting. Was, uh huh. And that was like uh, Major Applewhite and Chris Sims era. Ah, who could and forget? To this day, he was like. Two, he still says he was better than Chris Sims. Seriously, I'm not kidding, Coach. He was like, I was better than Chris Sims. I'm, he does not like the guy. It's so well, he can he can step into a long list of people that might fit in that category. But uh, at any rate, good to see him hitting the ball. That would obviously help the White Sox if he uh, makes a little comeback. But Ventura wins his first game. White Sox win. Cubs, I think, lost. Nothing major happened. Carlos Marmal, who uh, clearly is on the spot. Your comfort level with him uh, coming back after a bad year, Big Dog, as your closer. He got shelled yesterday, I think, four runs and two-thirds of an inning, for whatever that means. Uh You've asked me before whether or not uh, you, the Cubs aren't going to make the playoffs this year. So the fact that they might have a bad closer is not a concern for me. Mm-hmm. If this was 2008 and I looked at this team like, hey, they've got as much talent as anybody in baseball that could win a World Series, and Carlos Marmol was the closer, then I would be extru- The Carlos Marmol that we've seen the last 13 months, let me say, it would really scare me. Okay, because he's no longer the Carlos Marmol that used to get everybody out. You know what I mean? It's like, I think those days are done. And Steve Stone said it way back. He's like, we got to get rid of this guy now. If we trade Carlos Marmol now, we can get huge amounts of talent for him. And eventually when he gets found out, we, you know, we won't have nothing. And now the Cubs have nothing. Interesting. Interesting. Because there was a moment in time when he was, uh, you know, almost unhittable and looking like maybe one of the best closers in baseball. No, absolutely, Coach. When uh, in in '07 and '08, when he was the setup guy for Kerry Wood, he was unreal, consistent, continued to be consistent. And even if he got in trouble, he would figure it out. Okay, and then and then uh, 
in 2008, he was having, he was the closer at that point, and he had a really, really rough stretch. Do you remember? We're like, uh-oh, yep. this is first rough stretch. He can't get anybody out. Yep. He goes to the All-Star game, gives up a line drive rocket double, and I'm like, oh, no. And then the next three guys, he struck out. And then after that, Marmol was dominant the rest of the year, and I'm like, see, someone's wrong, and this guy's going to be all right. And everybody else in Chicago thought that. And then 2010, he was good, and then last year, about halfway through the year, it's like he was as bad as any closers we've ever had on the Chicago Cup. Yep, yep. I love the way uh, Jed Hoyer described it in one of the uh, interviews, the new general manager of the Chicago Cup. We cannot, and he wasn't specifically singling out Marmol. He was trying to state the importance of having a good closer. You cannot win the game for two hours and 20 minutes and then lose the last 10 minutes. I thought that was a beautiful way of uh, Putting it. By the way, speaking of the Cub uh, hysteria, well, hysteria. Speaking of the Chicago Cubs, how about a little bit of the hysteria, a little bit of the buzz over the advertisement? I'm sure you've seen it on TV, uh, where the simulation of the Chicago Cubs finally. No, no, I, I saw it a week ago, and I swear to you, I almost freaking threw up. I changed the channel as fast as I possibly really? can, and I, I can I cannot watch it. I cannot watch fake make believe. Chicago Cubs winning the World Series, it makes me, I, I swear to you, I almost cry, and I get choked up every time I have to change the channel, Coach. Well, the, the last part of what you said I agree with. It got me a little choked up, but the first part I'm a little surprised at. First of all, I think very effective commercial. Really effective. Not many commercials dig beyond the epidermis. It's, that it's one, the music that, in the background, Coach. What's it's that? the music in the background. Yes. It's the music in the background, and without a doubt, they went out and they got real Cup fans. They were like, hey, act good. those people look like they're really happy. <laughs> and, uh, I, I think they got them all drunk and something. And they, they look ecstatic in that commercial. They look like the happiest people on the yeah. planet, which would, would happen. It's very, very cool. What The, the two people that are kissing, I, I've only seen it a few times. Is that a vendor kissing one of the girls? Yes. Okay. One of the vendors grabs one yeah. of the a woman and right, cool. lays one right on her. Uh huh. And the guy cutting his beard after you know keeping the beard for however many years, hundred and three years the Cubs haven't won it. But uh, very effective commercial, David Olson. You've seen it. Any uh, re- reaction, positive, negative, or anywhere in the vast in between? Thought it was a good commercial. That's, that's for ML MLB. That's, yeah, for a video game, yeah. MLB twelve, which my son says by the way is phenomenal. Uh, it's so funny. Baseball video games used to be the cool video games as in terms of sports yep. because the, the graphics were just as bad as all the other sports, but it was, they could make the game extremely believable. You know what I mean? And you could play a game and beat your buddy five to three. You know what I mean? And it's Well, nowadays, Coach, these baseball games, not only are the graphics absolutely perfect, like you could like have a pitcher out there and like you can throw a ball like if you've got real good – like aim, you can throw it like two inches off the outside corner at the knees. If you like, it's like it's ridiculous the amount of mm-hmm. dread. Like it's like playing a real baseball game when you're well, when you're out there. Interesting, you say that, and this is not sure now is the time to bring this topic up because it's a little bit epithelial here. But um, David Olson, as the games get more and more real, and I think we're seeing this a little bit already. Are the kids growing up today and their kids' kids, big dog, are they going to be following actual sports less 
And the video game, which becomes so real, so realistic, don't have commercials. You can play them anytime you want. I'm almost worried that the actual games are going to take a backseat to the young kids with the video games. In, in both ways. And then, David, if you want to talk about this, please, because you have kids, so I know you've got to be worried about it. But in both ways, I don't know if you even thought of it that way, Coach, but one, yes, they, they'll be spending way too much time actually playing video games than going out going out themselves and actually playing yeah, well, the game, which to me is the most important one. Yep. You know, that's the most important one. Then the other way, which I think I wasn't sure which way you meant it was, yeah, this... the fact that I, I have to admit, Coach, my roommates will come home and I'll have three grown men playing video games for like six yeah. hours, and I'm down here being like, did you see the end of this football game? Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. what? That, I, was, I was talking more about the latter than the former. I can see with my 16-year-old son, who's the, uh, you know, the sports fan, is he, he doesn't not watch nearly as much live sports as I used to as a kid, and he'll spend a lot more time playing the, uh, the sports video games. So, I don't know, Dave, your kids are... Well, they, my, my, my kids are too young for that. I mean, my kids are five and three, so they're not into that level of video games yet and everything I, I like that. But, I, but I, I'm going I'm to give you, I'm going to give you one upside to it. Um, the it, it lets them know the players inside and out. True. Okay. Like for for example, mid '90s, I used to play PlayStation NHL hockey constantly, and I could name every single roster in the NHL. Yep. And the top players and everything. Did it give you a desire to watch them live? Absolutely, it okay. did. Absolutely. All right, it did. so there's a positive, Big Doug. Yeah, I mean, there is some positive. Another positive is I'd rather have, you know, my kid playing a video game than going out robbing, a, you know, a liquor store. You know, you kind of know where your kid is at the point. But then again, it's like those all those other problems, you got to be careful. Like, too much, a little too much of something is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I knew your kids were young, David. I was just wondering about your. Uh, what you're worried about. Like, if you see, like, uh, them, I think my three-year-old is just going to play video games constantly. All well, day. Like, no, they, I mean, they, 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 like, beg to play Angry Birds on the iPad. I mean, literally beg to play that. And it's just, you know, <laughs> as, as a parent, you've got to limit that. You, you, you've got to limit that. It's like, okay, you can play X amount of time. I mean, we don't let them do it every day. We make it a special thing. You know, mm-hmm. uh, my my older son, Nick's friend down the block, got a Wii for Christmas. He's constantly asking to go down there and play it, mm-hmm. and we won't let him do it. For the same reason we didn't buy him one yeah, ourselves. Yeah, that, that was year. another, like, and again, I don't want to get too sociological here, but I remember when my kids were younger, you know, go over to a friend's house, you know, to play. Oh, great. And instead of playing outside, you find out basically, on a beautiful day, they all were in the basement for two hours, not necessarily communicating with each other. But you know, do 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 with the hand button, big yeah. dog. So that that uh-huh. that's not good either. You know, I, I really do. Th- everybody's like, oh, it's better in my age. But you know, honestly, coach, I was the kid in the neighborhood. Even though other people had Atari twenty six hundreds and other stuff, um, you know, I had an Atari twenty six hundred. But I would go every year from like the age of like nine all the way until we moved out of this neighborhood. Like for like five years, every summer, it was a massive field. Out by our house, I would get the lawnmower out, start mowing. Next, you know, Tom Litt, Mickey Dirk, and everybody else would join me. We would cut, we would cut out a field, and then we would run around the bases. And then next, you know, that we'd have dirt bases. All right, you know what I mean? We'd run enough that it would carve it out. And every single year, we created our own baseball field mm-hmm. in this massive field right behind Mickey Durkin's house every single summer. And then ten to twenty-five kids a day would come there and play yep. baseball with us. Yep. 
I, I had Atari towards 2600. I was like, who wants to play Asteroids? That's the worst game ever. It would be funny. Like, come on, let's go play video games. And I would tell people, no, no, no. And then all of a sudden, then Madden came out, and they upped it a little bit, and it was almost impossible to compete. Even though, like, everybody loved Asteroids and Space Invaders, it's really, those games got boring extremely quick. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then so people still wanted to play baseball. Not anymore, Coach. Not anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Pick, Pickup games are almost a uh, thing of the past, sad but true. By the way, I've already picked out uh, the present for David Olson's kids for next year. I've already bought them, Big Dog. Uh, I've turned off his microphone so he can't hear, but I got him a U Darvish jersey for next year's Christmas. Thank you very much. I'm, you know what? By the way, he. Which I thought that was. I, I'm still a little leery about the the signing because giving a guy 110 million dollars. I know he's only getting 50 of that, but 60 million goes to the team in 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 Japan. So the Texans, Texas Rangers are paying 110 million dollars for a guy that they're that is basically a rookie. Which is let you know, coach. In his first outing, nobody even touched the ball yeah. off him. He was unhittable. They were like the guy might have been. I so I. The first, my first idea was they gave way too much money for him, and the first initial signing was they may have paid too little for the kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he threw I think thirty six pitches. Everybody said he was extremely impressive. Apparently, and I've never seen him pitch, but uh, you know, first of all, he was the number one pitcher in Japan, like you said, the Texas Rangers dishing out one hundred and ten million dollars to get the guy, you Darvish, and uh, apparently he's not only a great pitcher but just a great athlete. He's like an athlete yeah. on the mound, and um, and you know they think he could right away could could be right up there with who are the best pitchers in baseball. Now your uh, Clayton Kershaws, your Justin Verlanders, who else would you put up there as the dominant uh, guys? Roy Halladay. Yeah, still. Mm-hmm. Still, I was uh, trying to think of some of the would... best young pitchers right now, but they think right right away. And again, it's think has to be proven. But you Darvish could be that good where he might be in the elite right from the get-go, and he certainly looked that way. Not yesterday, it was two days ago he made his first appearance, right? Yeah, yeah, it was, and uh, you were exactly right, 36 pitches, 26 for strikes, Woo. and uh, and he's a fastballer change-up guy, which is what Tim Lincecum is. That Tim Lincecum is five foot eight, 160 pounds, and you Darvish is six foot five, 225 pounds. Wow. <laughs> They're a little bit different. You would have, you would have thought, okay, one guy's Japanese. You wouldn't think it was the six foot five, two hundred and twenty five pound guy. Would you? <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Good point. All right, dog. We got to get ready for some big games over the weekend. By the way, next weekend is St. Patrick's Day. I know you have been known to have been to be celebratory at times. Any big plans for St. Pat's? I heard the Southside Irish Parade after being canceled for a couple of years, courtesy of Rahm Emanuel. I believe the Southside Irish Parade is coming back, big dog. Any chance you'll be there? Uh, absolutely, Coach. I will be next weekend. I will be staying in Chinatown and waking up in Chinatown, nice. and then I will be in Mickville the rest of the day. In who? Mickville. Mickville. Yeah, I'm okay. half Irish. I can say that, Coach. You can't. Oh, okay. So not don't even, say that ever again. I can't believe you just said that over there. Not even, not even sure what it is, but I'll take your word for it. I won't, yeah. I won't say it again. But St. Patty's coming up. We'll have some uh, good celebrations next week. In anticipation of that, and let us not forget, Big Dog, next Wednesday. Next Wednesday, you and me at the Playbook in Niles, Illinois, for our March Madness Spectacular. Basically, help me out here. The selection show is Sunday, right? 
Yeah, the selection show is Sunday. So round yeah. one games are Thursday. There might be like what a play-in game Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. It isn't like the uh, what do you call it on Tuesday and Wednesday? All the play-in games happen. Okay. Because the, the two play-in games. Because now there used to be the one, and then now I think there's two days of playoff games, and like two on Tuesday, two on Wednesday, and then the ones that went on Tuesday play Thursday, ones on Wednesday mm-hmm. play Friday. Coach. Okay. So basically, though, Wednesday night will be, uh, hopefully we'll get it down to 64 teams. It's really the, the, the night before the start of all the big games. We'll be doing a little March Madness Spectacular at the Playbook Bar in Niles. Hopefully some of the two guys that I'm like, listeners, including Jamal from the Middle East, I'm hoping he makes it out. I'd love to see some of our out-of-town fans come in, Big Dad. We'll get them up in the front row if they make the trip. Is that fair? Absolutely. Come on down now. I really haven't started pushing or publicizing it, but I'm going to start doing that uh, later this afternoon. So. I don't know that you need to that much because uh, it's a brand-new sports bar, gaining in popularity, and you got the Heat playing the Bull, the Hawks and the Blues, and the March Madness games coming on, Big Dog. So I think the place will be uh, will be hopping. Oh, by the way, our guy Idris is going to be filming it, but you? here's the problem. Uh-oh. We need a second person, Coach. Because the lighting is so bad that he's like, Joel, I don't want Coach to waste his money. If Coach is going to do this, he might have to spend money on a lighting person. I will check. I will check. uh, Maybe I'll spend allowance money. I'll check with my son, Kevin, who is a technician of sorts, longtime stage crew guy. Maybe we can get him out there to assist Idris. That would be awesome. That would be awesome, Coach. Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's Wednesday the 14th. And, again, more information on that. PlaybookChicago.com is their website, but uh, should be a lot of fun. And there'll be a chance for some of our listeners to win uh, cash, correct? Uh, and there's all different types of ways. Your, your typical ways to make cash where you go in there and you get to fill out a free bracket buster. Boring. Uh, or you can do what we're doing and yes. check this out. But there's all different types of ways to get there. You want to get there early because then you can get your draft yeah. pick number. Yep. Okay, and then it's, when you get your draft pick number, you'll have a chance to pick any team that you want. Now we're talking. And if you don't, yeah, if you don't get your team, that's another reason why you yeah. fill out your own bracket buster. I, I so, like so. the draft. I think that'll be fun. You know, people filling out brackets at their table. You and uh, Dorian were into that. That's fine. Now I'm a little worried that you are like you're going to be running all these contests. No, I'm not running any contest. Okay. I'm just telling everybody, fill out your bracket, okay. and we're doing the draft. That's yeah. all I'm doing. All right, cool. And then the rest of it will be a Big Dog and a Coach and uh, audience participation. We'll have some fun. And uh, But we are going to do a little uh, another bracket buster competition, Coach, but I, it's going to be something a yes. little bit offbeat is the best way for me to tell you. It could folks. be uh, snack foods. It could be adult films. It could, could be, be positions. What? Positions. Positions? Yes. Oh boy. Like a like a tight end as opposed oh, to a wide okay. receiver. Or or the way you were thinking, either all coach. I was just trying to save you that. Yeah, I'd, I'd, let's let's go the former, not the latter. Please. It's our first appearance there, Big Doe. We do want to be invited back. Okay. All right, producer David Olson. In the scale of one to ten, what are the odds we might get a D Olson to make an appearance? By the way, we're hoping Omar Ashik will be joining us. So it'll be the Big Dog, the coach, Omar Ashik, and maybe David Olson, producer. Uh, I'd say probably a five. Okay. I'm on a flight Friday on vacation, uh, and nice. it's the last day, like, my, and my wife's working the next night, so we've got to kind of pack and everything like that. So I'm going to try to make it. Not a problem. 
But Idris, our film guy, will people that can't make it, Big Dog, there will be highlights up on the website. Is that correct? Uh, if, or highlights. Hopefully we get multiple. <laughs> Five hours. we got to get more than one, huh? Yes, I would, uh, I would think we will. Some drunk guy named Bert in the back row who picks Lehigh with the first selection. Oh, goodness. All right, dog, you have a good weekend, all right? And we will talk to you Monday, and uh, when we talk on Monday, we will know who Northwestern is playing in the NCAA tournament. Ha, ha, ha. And uh, we'll, we'll know all the matchups. It'll be fun to talk on Monday. Sounds good. Sounds good, Coach. Who, yeah, real Monday. quick, who's going to be your Big Ten tournament champ? Who's going to be your Big East tournament champs? Take a gander. Uh, Ohio State in the Big Ten and in Notre Dame in the Big East. Not a chance. Ohio State, I can buy. Notre Dame, I would say not a chance. But we'll see. We'll okay, see. Well, I got I picked the underdog. All right. Behave yourself, Big Dog. Stay out of the crime report and stay out of the obituary page. Hopefully we'll see you Monday. Big Dog and the coach signing off. David Olson, producer, great job all week. We thank each and every one of our listeners out there. Much appreciate your tuning in to this semi-dysfunctional sports show. We appreciate each and every listener. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday at 10, and don't be late.